Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Knife Journal Podcast. This is episode 56. My name is Kyle Versteg, and this is a special Halloween episode. I'm here with <laughs> I'm here with uh, James Noka, and it's uh, a day or two after Halloween. We thought we'd uh, sneak one of these out, and we will be as soon as this is done. We will be in uh, the holiday season, won't won't we be Thanksgiving? Yeah, that's what I, I just I just heard that. Uh, you know, once the uh, at 12 o'clock, midnight, on Halloween, that's when all of the Christmas Carol songs turn off. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know. Uh, my favorite channel on Sirius XM is 40s on 4. Mm-hmm. And it isn't... I, I don't know when they switch over, but it's pretty quick that they switch over to Christmas music. I know it's well so, before Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm assuming that it's probably today. <laughs> so so this is november this is november 2nd mm-hmm. and we just started daylight savings time so this morning i woke up at my usual time yeah which is about five thirty, but really it was later than that right and uh you know i but it was earlier than that <laughs> i usually i used when i was a resident i used to take uh vacation uh mm-hmm. f- during this week so that my vacation would start on uh on that saturday on this basically yesterday on that saturday so that uh and the entire week i would do everything i could to not know that it was daylight savings time (laughs) so that when it was time to go back to work on uh the following monday that sunday night i would set my clock so i'd get an extra hour of sleep (laughs) (laughs) nice yeah i I called it hogging my hour and, and i used i did it pretty much pretty religiously for i was in residency for seven years so i did it for pretty much seven years and my wife is still she fights me over it so 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 you don't take vacations anymore like that no i my life is much better than it was so um i'm a much happier person in a much different place so i don't have to do that anymore (laughs) nice 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 so uh Let's see. We so, gotta we gotta pack this stuff in today so that we're not here yeah. all day. Um, yeah. So so you know we had we had snow on uh, Friday, and we still have snow today. It did not melt off. Wow. I know it. That's exactly what I said too. Huh. I was like, oh my god. Looks like it's here. <clears throat> so what you been doing with yourself all weekend? Did you go out trick or treating? Uh, my out? yeah, well we we decorated our house um, and I put a if you look on my Facebook feed or on my Instagram feed, I put up uh, there's two videos one of uh, just the dog and her little spider costume and then one of our house and we mm-hmm. we have a big front porch on our house and I lit it with green light and then had spider webs everywhere. And then I had my dog on the porch, and uh, I had her kind of run down the stairs in her spider costume. (laughs) (laughs) It scared the hell out of people. It was awesome. Nice. Um, Nice. Yeah. Well, that's a good thing. Yeah. That's a good thing. We didn't have any trick-or-treaters at all. Yeah. Um, Nah. I think, I I don't know. 
we we just we live in the you know it's real rare that we have any kind of um well you can live out in the, the middle of freaking nowhere well except for the jehovah witnesses seem to find us yeah I, and i gotta put one of those signs up that say no soliciting so they don't even come up but yeah that you, you get know, we, you get these random goofballs walking up to your house i think i yep. would uh take umbrage with that yep well and, and it's the um we have a uh a witness hall not too far from us and I think that that's like we're the first stop. It's like the first heathen on the stop. Uh-huh. And so they they always seem to come up and try to discuss things with me. And I'm like, you know, really, I don't, I, I no. Ain't nobody got keep, time for this. Ain't nobody got time for that. No, I keep thinking, <laughs> okay, you got room for 160,000 people or whatever the number is that they have. Why would you invite one more? Yeah. <laughs> Ain't got time for the this. Life, the lifeboat's full. Yeah, the lifeboat's full. So, um, let's see. Anyway, knife wise, uh, ah, knife news. Yeah. Um. Well, I did hear a. Actually, heard this quite a while ago, but I got a a, a, a bit of news that we've got an uh, another new knife company that's going to show up on the scene. Oh, sweet. Yep, and uh, it is going to be called. The official name is called Ambush Knives. Okay. And uh, they're making, they're designing a series of fixed blade, um, I would say like hard use outdoor type knives that, you know, uh-huh. of, of typical design that, you know, that meet our criteria for, a, you know, a good user knife. Um, no monkey business. No monkey business. Nothing. Uh, no crazy nothing. like fifteen freaking grinds on one knife, and no. each grind nope. defeats the purpose of the other. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Yep. And you cut yourself three times when you use it. No, you're not coming in. You cut yourself three times trying to cut something. Yeah. And uh, you know, so we've got that going. We've got that going on. And 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 I've seen some drawings. I haven't seen any prototypes yet, but I've seen some drawings, and they're very attractive looking knife. So we'll keep. I've seen those uh, drawings as well. Yep, yep, they look good. They yep. look like they're good user knives that'll work well. And um, so that's new in knife news. Um, uh, let's been, see. What uh, else I'm, you got? I'm, I'm supposed to go on uh, Gear Geeks Live. That's going to be knives. awesome. Yeah, I, I'm going to make those guys crazy. I think. Yeah, I think you're going <laughs> to you're going to drive them. I don't know that they're going to know what to make of you. Um, <laughs> yep. So uh, I'll be ranting about yeah, all kinds of shit. I, I listen to them a lot. They're they're yep. starting to grind knives a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah. Anthony Scalambrini, he uh, he made a little uh, fixed blade. Actually, uh-huh. he made it out of plywood because I guess he's like quite a woodworker. Right. Um, but he made it out of plywood and then sent it to some guy to carve it out of steel and now he's and heat treat it and now he's going to make a uh, handle. Nice. Yeah, and then um, a couple of the other guys on there. Are monkeying around with steel, so nice. nice I, en- nice, I nice. encourage this activity. <laughs> yep, yep. Oh, it's fun. I mean, really is fun. I mean, when you, uh, especially if you if you like if you enjoy using knives, it's really good to understand what goes into making them. Uh huh. Um, I think uh, I I don't think you need to. Um, I don't think you need to use a knife to appreciate. The workmanship that goes into it, but you have to you have to use a knife to be able to understand and appreciate the design of the knife. Well, and that's that's um, one of the things that Scalambrini said is that he uh, 
he now really appreciates how difficult it is to design a handle. Because yep. yep. the one that he made, he says, works absolutely perfect for his hand, and he just loves it. But uh, other people are having a hard time adapting to the handle shape. Right. So, um, and, that, and that's a, and that's the that that's the thing. It's like, uh, you know, there's there's a there's that element that that um, it's real easy. You know, it's like it's like anything else. Uh, it's real easy to make one of something. Yeah. The, the difficulty is making more than one of the same thing, and having them be relatively the close. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's the that's the. Um, I guess that's what separates the the uh, the artist from the casual maker. Right, the guy that can that can continually turn out the same product, the same piece. Yeah, that was difficult and, 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 with the with uh, with both the imps and the uh, the other big scale project that I've sold is the uh, Bowie. Yeah. So I made fifteen of those Bowie knives, and they were exact enough that they would fit into the exact sheath over and over again. Mm -hmm. um, same thing with the imps. Um, I made twenty of those, and they're. But you know, I'm a. I, I have small time, somewhere between hobbyist and part time knife maker. You know, I'm not a. Production I, I would call company that. Or, I would call that tax write off. Well, yeah. I mean, honestly, <laughs> that's kind of what it's for. <laughs> yeah. Is so that well, I can I so that I can be involved in the hobby, and so that I don't spend all of my money buying knives. Yeah. 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 And then even if you do spend money buying knives, it's research. Yeah, research and then also but I do make money at it. I mean, yeah. I I paid uh I'm I'm way ahead. And then that that money um you know, you pay taxes on that, but you know. Um but I'm somewhere between part-time and and uh hobbyist, probably more towards the hobbyist at this point. Um but uh you know, I definitely appreciate when, when a company can make the same thing over and over and over again and crank it out. And I mean, more more power to them. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. I'm, I I make uh, I'm never making more than five or six of the same knife ever again. <laughs> it drives me <laughs> it drives me bonkers to do the same thing over and over and over again. Um, yep, that's the monotony of it. Yep. You put your you put your uh, your iTunes on and stick your earbuds in and yeah dance dance in front of the grinder. Yeah, I know, but still, it takes it takes a lot to because the whole reason I do it is because it's interesting and fun. Yeah, and if it gets to the point where it's not interesting and fun and it's just monotony, I don't want to do it. Yep. You know, but um, anyway, enough about me. Uh, so we um, get a question from uh, Corey Murphy. So I posted on my Facebook page a little bit ago that we're recording this, and I asked for questions. Um, and Corey says he wants uh, beer talk. And then his other question is, uh, how about we discuss Leatherman's obsession with flathead screwdrivers? Most of my Leathermans have four or five of them on the same damn tool. <laughs> <laughs> That's because he's using the wrong kind of tool. <laughs> Well, uh, um, you know what? I, I, this this can kind of get into the maybe the the EDC discussion that we were we were having a little bit earlier. Uh huh. Um, you know, a lot of guys. You talk about EDC stuff all the time. You know, um, I did a video on this like I don't know five years ago. And 
when you see what people, you know, they do like pocket dumps, and then everybody's got this jewelry. They want to have cool shit in their pockets. Oh, I do. You know, <laughs> um, and 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 when they do pocket dumps, they do every day. They have something different in their pockets. Yeah, they literally have something different. In, I have had the same flashlight in my pocket since like 1999. Right. It's literally the same flashlight, and I have it there because it works. Uh huh. And it's always works, and it and I and I have a little piece of cloth on it so that I can put it in my teeth and hold it while it's while I'm using both hands. Little things like that that cause me not to change my flashlights every day because when I'm using it, it's not just sitting in my pocket. I mean, it's not just. When I'm using it, that sounded really stupid. When you're carrying when, it, <laughs> when I'm carrying it, it's not just sitting in my pocket. I actually take it out and use it. Right. And and my flashlight literally gets used almost every day. Yeah. So if I happen to grab the, you know, have some oddball flashlight in my mouth that doesn't have that little cloth thing on it that I put on there, mm-hmm. and I go to put it in my teeth, now I'm biting on aluminum. Hmm. You know. It's the same with pocket knives, and it's the same with knives and guns. You know, I don't. I don't change the stuff in my pockets that I rely on every day like I change my underwear. Yeah. You know, if I'm trying out a different knife, I'll carry it in addition to whatever it is that I have in my pockets. Yeah, like sometimes it's real nice to just have a new new knife for to show people and play around with and stuff. Right. You know? And I'm and I'm not talking about and I'm not talking about um po- slip joints, pocket knives, those kinds of things because right. I do trade those up. Yeah. I do have a, several of them that I carry, all different ones. And, yeah, yeah. But your main but, go-to stuff is all, and yeah, that's that's kind of the way I think a lot of people are. It's certainly the way I am. I'm not. Yep. I carry uh, the same crap for years uh, yep. until it literally breaks or wears out. You know, yep. once you find yep. something that works and is dependable and you can use it and know how it works, yeah, I'm yep. not, I'm not the, into when, monkeying with it. Yep. When the 710 Axis Lock came out, that was the that was the game changer for me, mm-hmm. um, and and uh, I, for when I was kind of test driving the seven ten, I was I was carrying a Sabenza all the time. Yeah, and uh, a lefty Sabenza, and so I started carrying the seven ten on my right hand side. Uh huh. And then over time, well, I had that one Sabenza that had the bad lock on it that I used to I used to. Uh, I showed it to Chris a couple different times before I let him fix it. It was pretty funny. Um, but uh, when when that when that lock started getting um, like it was out of adjustment or there was something wrong with it, and um, that's when the seven ten the pocket clip got switched onto the other side, and I started carrying it on that side. And when I on a couple deployments, I carried a seven ten on both sides. Because I have two, I have two seven tens. They're both set up uh, um, opposite ways. One's for left, one's for right hand side. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, Bark River Knives offers the best combination of ultra modern CNC components and old world craftsmanship. All Bark River knives are hand convex, ground and sharpened to perfect cutting geometry for the task they are designed to perform. Bark River knives are available through our authorized dealers. But that's a that's a um, that's one of the things that that. Uh, can you hear that? Yes, and the and the and the listeners can as well. He's banging on the door. Um, Kathy's gonna go grab him in the front. Um, no, they. Uh, I mean, that's one of the things about uh, about using knives and 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 you being consistent. You know, 
knowing that when you reach in your pocket, that knife is going to be in that particular place. I mean, you talk to firemen and policemen and, and, and soldiers that are wearing, you know, the same gear every day, every time they go out on patrol, everything is always in the same place. They yeah. know, you know, when you're a parachutist, you know that these particular things are in this particular place every time you put your gear on. And you check it. You make sure that those things are in that. You scuba diver, same way. You yeah. you wear a knife on your leg. You wear a knife on your BC. Your gauge is on this side. Your uh, your um, backup regulator is on this side. Your valves are over here. <coughs> it's always the same. Because when you don't do that... Can you holler at him, Kathy? Let's just take a break until this okay. stops. Rudley interrupted. Uh, I can't remember now, but uh, we were talking about uh, everyday carry. I think that oh. horse has been successfully beat dead. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So yesterday, yes, uh, I I started making. Um, I think I'm pronouncing it correctly. Brazola. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so I I put up. Uh, I had like sixteen or seventeen pounds of. Uh, um, Actually, it was more than that because I ended up with with fifteen pounds of meat prior to the cure being done. So, so that was what I used for my curing numbers were fifteen pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did uh, um, about ten pounds, twelve pounds in the traditional way, which is going to be with the juniper berries and uh, rosemary and thyme and and pepper and and curing salt and that kind of stuff, and then that's gonna um, that's going to cure for seven days and then it's gonna dry for however long it takes to get the right weight. I'd say probably three weeks at yeah. least, at least and then, that long. And then um, uh, the other one I did a little bit different and I used um, a uh, uh, the cure ground coffee. Okay. And uh, brown sugar. Okay. And uh, a little bit of pepper, but not much. And uh, today, I think um, I'm going to put together a uh, a couple capicolas. Okay. And get those ready to go for uh, uh, hopefully Christmas time. Yeah, they can be problematic. Um, capicola, I I've had uh, a fifty percent success rate with that particular product. Really? Um, yeah. Where where do you lose your? Well, it depends on on what book you're using and and what method you're using it. But uh, I just haven't had a huge amount of success with that particular product. Hmm. Um, and I've tried a lot of different methods, and I have not been satisfied with the product, except for about half the time. Is it is it spoil or is it too salty or too? It. Sometimes it'll have an off smell. It's not spoiled, uh-huh. but it just smells off. Um, other times it'll just have a weird uh, texture that I don't like. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of ways that Capicola can go wrong. 
Yeah. Is that the fat gets rancid? No. Um, there's uh, if you if you go to uh, countries where they don't do um, the wet brine cure. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you, there's a smell that certain meats get when you dry cure them. Mm -hmm. um, that you don't smell if you do a brine cure. Mm -hmm. um, it's hard for me to describe, but if you go to like, uh, you know, any any of these old time smokehouses where they do it that way, there's this particular smell. Right, right. And the pork, um, the the problem is, is like the smell isn't bad if it's like faint, but when it's like strong, like I just I don't want to eat that. Like, well, you know, it's interesting. I I did watch a. Uh... I watched a video yesterday um, from the University of Kentucky mm -hmm. where they were making country ham, which it, in, yeah, yeah. in country ham, you're talking about temperatures that are never below 50 degrees. I mean, those guys, those guys cure their, in, you know, basically in a barn and they say, they say, you know, they're just salted and, uh, you nail them to the wall and. Yeah, yeah, and then they, <clears throat> and then they go into um, their summer sweat. They called it, where it's like six to nine months long at seventy yeah. degrees. And they, they, those can be stinky as hell. Yeah, and that's that yeah, smell exactly. I'm talking about. Like it, it's fine. Some people really like that. It's just not for me. Yeah, it's it's yeah. kind of sounded like um, like a like a um, a moldy smell. Yeah, like, like a moldy, must, smell. musty, moldy, assy smell to it. Yeah. <laughs> Like, that's the best way I can... No, really. Like, that's... It's like musty, moldy ass. Yeah. And Well, uh, I think I think I'm going to try to make some uh, uh, prosciutto. Um, I think that there's there's some techniques now that I've been seeing online that, that you can make decent prosciutto that's off the bone, that is... Uh, um, it replicates the taste and without the without the uh, aggravation of having that humongous chunk of meat lying around for yeah ever. um that's um again prosciutto is a very specific product mm -hmm. um there's a company in Iowa that does it very very well right and i did actually see a video from that company too yeah where how they how they make it yeah that that actually uh that's actually kind of my preferred prosciutto is yeah. their is their stuff? I mean, it's yeah. it's as good as any of the imported stuff that I've ever eaten before. Um, what's What's interesting about that whole that whole thing is, I was always under the impression that you could not make prosciutto here because of the uh, not being cooked. Um, so they must do something. That is either radioactive or they're no. nuking it or they're doing something. Uh, they got to be doing something. It has to. I think because you're not supposed to sell an uncooked finished product. Well, um, that's not wholly accurate. Um, you can do that. Um, like uh, the country hams are not cooked. Um, I think it has to do. I think a lot of it had to do with kind of the uh, inspection process and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, the uh, you know, so it gets kind of gets kind of muddy and stuff. But I know that. But don't they the country hams? Don't they finish those up with a 
with a smoking process? Mm, some. But not all. I guess you did say that yeah. in the video too. Yeah, and that's that's the thing is you can you can do it provided that you can meet the um, FDA uh, specifications to do it. Now the 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 problems that I've seen with um, trying to do uh, prosciutto in this country is that um, if my research is correct, uh, the the problem is that prosciutto is pigs that are fed on acorns and milk. Right. Like where are you going to get I mean, if you were going to do one pig, you could do it that way. But like yeah. doing it commercially would be very right. difficult in this country. Now, now my neighbor, um, he finished up his pigs and acorns. Uh huh. They they went out and gathered acorns and fed them to the pigs. They, uh, their last that's all they ate for like the last two months. Yeah, and then so then he should that should be very special pork. Mm -hmm. I would not. Yep. I would not part with that pork under no, no. any circumstances. No, and and um and it was kind of the, uh, I mean they they sell these things up here where guys walk through the woods and pick up acorns. The little um, they're like little. You remember those little? I used to call it a corn popper. The kids used to play with. And yeah, they, yeah. They roll it across the floor and it's well, yeah it's, those. It looks just like that. Only it's made out of a it's made out of wire. Okay. And so when it runs over the top of the acorns, it picks them up. Okay. And so you just run it back and forth across the, like the lawn, and it picks all the acorns up. And you can get a five-gallon pail of acorns in like a matter of no time. Uh -huh. I guess it was like the last month he was feeding those pigs acorns because he had uh, he had to go gather them. <clears throat> uh -huh. But um, they just butchered them, and he said, and you know the he said that does have a, a different taste. It did finish out differently than what he was used to. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, but you're right. The, they feed because um, it's in the region of. What is it, De Parma? Where um, they make Parmesan cheese? Because I guess that they they feed the they feed those critters the whey from cheese. Yeah. Uh, from from when they make Parmesan cheese, they feed them the whey. So that that makes it must make it a lot more tender or something. Mm -hmm. Like like veal. Yep. Um, so there's another uh, product that kind of falls along those lines. Um, you know, prosciutto. The the problem being, um, in order to import this stuff, our Department of Agriculture has to inspect the farms. I mean, it gets really complicated. All the things you have to do in order to um, to be able to sell that kind of stuff here. So there's another product that I'm sure you've heard of. Um, it's Iberico ham mm -hmm. from Spain. Um, and so yep. if people don't know what that is, you can Google search it. It's I B E R I C O. And basically in Spain. Um, you'll walk by the front of a store and there'll be like a leg of a pig hanging there and they'll just shave off like a razor thin slice and serve it with like bread and and stuff like that and and uh it's delicious 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 ham um mm -hmm. it's it's like you would get it's like a country ham only um better because they're aged for years and years and years and um you know it was kind of a a black market thing in this country because the problem being, you know, they couldn't, uh, couldn't import it. import it. Right. Because mm -hmm. the FDA blocked it because of the, because of the conditions and, and they're just worried that, you know, you're going to get some crazy disease Ebola or something. Disease. Right. But the pigs, um, so it's different. Um, it's different. Um, they're, they're a different kind of a pig. Um, they're a, a special kind of pig called, uh, the black Iberic, 
Iberian pigs and um, it's a different kind of meat, it's a different kind of product. It's basically a country ham that's um, dry cured and, and aged and aged and aged and aged. And these ones, um, they they feed uh, acorns and grains and you know it just depends on the grade of ham and stuff. But now there, there actually is a um, a company um, uh, that is able to export um, into our uh, country and I can't remember the name of it, some Spanish name, I have difficulty with those names. Um, but those hams will go for, if you Google search, you're talking um, in, in, an entire ham in the range of uh, um, 400 to uh, $1,600 and some up to in the you know $3,500 range. So, um, you know, it's pricey shit. You know, it's like mm -hmm. it's like caviar only porky. Well, you know, okay, Kathy was like, Kathy was asking me, well, is this worth it doing all this work for this meat? And I said, well, I said it's sort of like this. I said if you look up um, um, the pe the product that I made is or I'm making, uh -huh. if you buy it at the store, it's four. Four dollars a pound, I guess, for eye round. Mm -hmm. Okay. By the time you strip off, you probably you know the fat and the skin and stuff like that. You probably are actually up to probably five dollars a pound. Uh -huh. When you're done with the process, if you can find it, it's thirty dollars a pound. Uh huh. If you can find it, and usually you have to order it on the internet. You can't really like go to your local butcher and get it. Yeah. Your local. No. Yeah. Forget it. it. You, you're just not. This is a specialty product that you will not find locally. Yep. yep. And so, and so, you know, if you if you look at it like that, and you say, okay, here's something that I cannot get anywhere. I can order it online for thirty dollars, but if I really like it, it's not that difficult to make. Yeah. And and I went down to the local spice shop and I got juniper berries and mm -hmm. you know. Use my old coffee mill and ground that all up, ground that shit all up, and you know it's not a difficult product to make. Um, well, and now, what what you make on your own um, in small batches with attention to detail and all these things is going to be worlds better than anything that you're going to get uh, mass produced. Yes, it just is, um, yep. and so uh, you know I do a lot of my own cured meats because of that. Um, you know, like if you don't like it, just don't do it, <laughs> you know, but you're yeah, not getting yeah. any of mine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I tell you, I, I mean, I've gone so far even thinking about doing, you know, guys that I know that like this kind of, these kind of things. Uh -huh. I've, I've been actually kicking around the idea of, uh, maybe planning on, uh, I don't know if I'll do it this year because I don't think I have enough time, but, um, uh, do a bunch of them for Christmas presents. Yeah. It's uh, that's hard because by the and believe me, I I try I try this every single year. I'll buy <laughs> um, four or five pork bellies, and as soon as somebody knows you're making it, it's gone. You know, you cannot yep. keep it on hand. It I, it just goes. I know it. I've been trying to save one for Thanksgiving. I've got one in the, I've got one in the fridge right now um, that I haven't cut into yet, and I've been trying to sh trying to save it for Thanksgiving, and I don't think mm -hmm. I'm going to make it. One I did in August. Yeah. And uh, uh, I don't know. I'm. It's. It's. Uh, now I'm up to um, uh, a slicer. 
Yeah, trying, just to, buy trying, a slicer. trying to find trying to find a better meat slicer. I, I've got you know, and I know that this is kind of blasphemous for a knife guy to be worried about a meat slicer. No, you need one. You need one. You want um, consistent cuts. Yep, I've got a, uh, and I've got a lot of sharp knives, and I've got a lot, of, and I've got a little meat slicer. But what I noticed was, the minute you start doing cured beefs, they're a lot tougher to saw to to yeah. cut mm-hmm. than pork. Yep. When you're when you're cutting through a, a piece of uh, cured beef, mm-hmm. um, it's a lot stiffer. Yeah, it's a lot stiffer, and and it's hard. And I've got a little, I've got a little dinky, um, uh, you know, home meat slicer, and it it it's not an expensive one. It's a rival, I think. Does a decent job on like bacon or or or. Um, um, if you're making like Canadian bacon, that kind of stuff, it does a really nice job on that. But boy, I cut into this, into this beef, and it, it's a real bugger. And it doesn't slice it as thin as I'd like to see. Yeah, it. you got to get a commercial. Yeah, com- uh, yep. they so have kind of like Cabela's and places like that. Yep. You, you want to, and you want to handle them before you buy them. You can't. Yeah, it's not something you should buy over the internet. So make a trip down to Detroit and. Or wherever yep. your Cabela's is, or even a, yep. if there's a chef supply store, like a professional mm-hmm. kitchen store, somewhere close to you, that's where I would go for that. You you have a slicer, right? Yeah, mine what, is. What kind do you have? It's it's not a it's not a high end one, but it gets the job done. And I, I don't is it, remember. Is the it name, make it paper thin like prosciutto thin? Yeah, it will. Um, yeah, so but mine, I, mine won't do that. Well, and then but mine has an adjustable thing, and it's got a. Yeah, I mean you're going to pay 150 bucks for a good slicer, mm-hmm. um, and a lot more than that if you want a really good slicer. Yeah, I've been looking at a Burkle. Okay. The, the one I the one I would love to have is the is the Van Burkle, which okay. is um, the one where you um, you turn the you turn the crank, and as you turn the crank, it turns the blade, and it moves the meat back and forth. Yeah, 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 and it, and it indexes it. Yeah, they're I like, like that. They're like six grand. Yeah, no, yeah. There's there's ones. Um, <laughs> my my I, wife is freaking out. She's thinking I'm gonna buy one. I'm like, oh, look at this thing. It's really cool. She's like, no, you're not having that. Have you seen <laughs> the? Um, have you seen? Uh, you ever been to a Blimpies? Oh yeah, yep. The the meat slicer to get would be the uh, the one that they have because it's got an automated back and forth thing. Yep. Um, so the table goes back and forth and. Uh, um, and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, because uh, that Van Burkle, the way that the, the the key about that is the blade and the movement are related. You know, it's like either like it's it's like a two to one ratio or something. So the blade will turn twice for um, for every for every movement back and forth. So yeah. that so that the blade is always turning faster than the bed. Uh-huh. And that's the key is you have to you have the blade has got to go faster than the bed. Yeah, and it's um, it's it's really uh, I don't know. You can you can go down the rabbit hole with with meat slicers, but you just need one that works. A well, lot of those ones that are like six grand are for. Um, it's like the difference between a a Baldor uh, motor for something, or a like say a Burking grinder, something mm-hmm. that's meant for a production company that's going to run for thirty years all day yeah. every day. Well, versus, and you know what? If you when you know, you're in Italy. What's hilarious is the households have slicers like that. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I, I kid you not. When you go to a uh, a cutlery store in, um, well, I mean, uh, 
you go to these small shops in Italy, and there'll be like a cutlery shop, and then there'll be a shop that makes shoes where they actually make shoes, and then you go next door to that is a is a a, a company that just does nothing but sells different kinds of meat slicers. Cool. And and those guys will buy a meat slicer, and it'll be in their family for ever. Yeah. Yeah. So another question comes in, um, this time for uh, from uh, uh, Dan. Uh, Dan, you know, uh, um, he's got the Chewbacca for the picture. Uh, Dan Malefsky. Um, okay. And he wants to know about Angry Orchard and brewing your own cider, beer, wine for your own consumption. But you can talk about homemade moonshine, etc. Okay, so <laughs> I actually have an enormous amount of experience brewing um enormous amount uh um and as far as uh beer talk um i'm like uh i don't know after that sour ale experience i haven't touched anything and i have absolutely no desire to <laughs> i haven't had a drop <laughs> of anything since then uh and i don't feel myself like wanting any <laughs> i think it may have killed off my my taste for alcohol <laughs> that that That's bad experience like i i literally i do not want to drink anything um because it i just had such a bad experience with that and it's my own fault i didn't read the damn bottle but anyway so that's that that still is funny so brewing your own cider here are some tips um you want to go to a local apple orchard and buy uh apple juice from them um, but make sure you get it fresh off the press before they add the preservative. Uh, and you'll have to talk them into doing that because I, I don't think they're legally allowed to sell that. Or you can juice your own or whatever, you know, but make, make sure whatever you get um, for your juice does not have preservative in it. Same thing goes with um, other things. I, I uh, have, I don't brew, I didn't brew wine, but I, I made mead a lot, which is a, uh, honey is your base, and then you can add fruits and things. Like I added some Colorado peaches one time. I added some wild plums the other. Um, and so, you know, if you're going to brew mead, you want to make sure you uh, get uh, really good uh, honey. So source it from a, an actual beekeeper uh, and make sure that you hit him up um, the first time he goes to harvest uh, honey in the year. That first stuff off the comb is what you want. It's totally different than the garbage you buy in the store. Don't even bother with that shit. You want the first stuff off the comb. And most beekeepers are actually happy uh, if you if you want that because it's, it's, it's clear. And most people, when they see clear honey, they think you're trying to rip them off like you watered it down. But really, that's the best honey that those bees will make all year. Um, so there's that. Uh, Beer, I mean, you can go down the rabbit hole. With all of this brewing stuff, um, you can easily do it at home. Um, the problem is going to be that you have to be patient, and it takes a long time uh, for your stuff to finish, and you're going to want to drink it first and all these sorts of things. The other thing is cleanliness. The reason I am not currently brewing is because uh, I had a basement flooding, and it wrecked my um, brewery, and I have not, I've not had the... Uh, desire to uh um you know get are you back saying into it. you had you're unclean 
yeah, I, I can't, I, I would never ever use that equipment again because you'll ruin batches of beer. Um, and there's no, there's no sense once you get, once you get contaminated equipment, just throw the shit out and buy new. Um, it's not expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as moonshine, uh, so I have a lot of moonshine stories. Um, and again, that's something that I have absolutely no desire ever to drink again. Um, but, it, <laughs> but as far as, as, in fact, I, I don't want any alcohol at all, ever, after that sour beer problem. Like, yes. like I'm very much soured on intoxicants right now. Like, really? I just, I don't want anything. Like, I'm done. Like, that was enough. Like, screw that you shit. You had a really way, bad night. Yeah, I'm way too old for that shit. Um, but anyway, for, if you're going to do moonshine, um, there's a lot of ways you can do it. You need a sugar source, you need yeast, you need water and you need time. Um, I've got a lot of stories about that. Uh, but you're also going to need a still, uh, you can try to make your own. You can try to do a pot still. Um, you can try all these different things. Um, my advice is to buy a commercially made, uh, column still, um, you're going to get a better product that doesn't give you horrible hangovers. Um, let's see if you want. You know, we, we have a, um, a group of guys up here that are big moonshiners. And then there's a young group of guys that just invested in a still. And one of the, you know, um, uh, Dylan. Yeah. Okay. So he's one of the guys that's one of the newcomers to that. Yeah. And he's kind of that guy that wants to study and wants to do it right. And he's with a group of guys that seems like all they want to do is just make some kind of hooch and get drunk. Yeah, okay, so I, I've got a, I got a ton of stories about these shenanigans. Um, yeah, and it's, listen, go, go down that road if you want. Uh, um, just make sure that you know what you're doing when you st- distill your stuff or you're going to poison some people. You're um, go blind. Yeah, don't, don't fuck around if you don't know what you're doing. Um, so when I first moved to Kentucky, you know, Everybody's, you know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm kind of a was kind of a fan of uh, moonshine and locally made stuff, and you know, I every once in a while somebody moonshine had come up, and I'd say, oh yeah, I've been looking for some. Do you know anybody that has it? And they're like, no, 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 no. You know, everybody denies everything. And I was there for, you know, a while. I was there for two years, and t- kind of towards the end of that, um, people knew me, and then everybody came out of the woodwork with their family's moonshine and all this stuff and like oh my family has the best and oh my god my uncle's moonshine is the best in four counties and you know and they'll give you like quarts of it to sample so that you you know rave on their stuff um Mm -hmm. so one time i had two medical students um one of them was a girl and one of them was from eastern kentucky coal mining country literally the next valley over or holler is what he called it, from where Loretta Lynn grew up. And his family had been making moonshine for hundreds of years. And he gave me his family recipe, which is very simple. It's not nothing fancy, but he he liked me well enough to give me his family recipe. The other, the girl, uh, have you heard of Pappy Van Winkle? Oh, yeah, yep. She She is the heir to that family. Really? Yeah, so, you know, I have a... I know one of the people behind that Pappy Van Winkle whiskey. So it was a big culture down there, that sort of thing. Um, But anyway, uh, just be careful um, and don't drink too much of it. 
Oh yeah, you you. It's surprising how much. Oh that... yeah, every time I've gotten in trouble in my life, um, because I did, I drank and did something fucking stupid. It was like moonshine. Yeah. You know, yeah. they in Kentucky they would sit around, they buy that shitty Hawaiian punch in the in the big tin can, you know, mm-hmm. and they they'd pour some of that in a glass in a in a plastic cup, and then pour some moonshine in, and you can't tell. You know why? You know why they put the Hawaiian punch in first? Why is that? Because the moonshine will melt the plastic. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> but like, and so you you drink a cup of that, and you know you can't taste it. You don't know what's going on. You don't know how much alcohol you've drank, and you go to stand up and you fall over. Yeah. You know, like yep. it's just not for me. I can't be doing that shit. Like, so just be careful with it. Yeah. Um. Now, now we 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 drank some scapa last night. What's that? That's uh real nice single malt scotch. Oh, good. Real, real nice single malt scotch. Yep. Yeah. Let's see. He also asks about winter stews and soups, and I think we've. I'll get get around to some more. Um, I'm kind of more. Uh, I think we probably talked enough about food. Um, <laughs> he mentions you know, a, we gotta we gotta back up here about the Leatherman tool though, because we didn't really um, talk about his. Uh, yeah, well, here's my here's my About assessment Corey's of that. Question. What's the what's the easiest possible tool to add to your knife that's very easy to machine uh and will take up space in there? Yeah, it's exactly what it is. Okay. <laughs> you know, um I have <clears throat> I use a sog tool and I've been using a sog tool forever. I'm not I'm not a, a humongous fan of sog knives. I I do like some of them, but you know, I'm not a big you know, it's like I, I don't carry them, but I do have this SOG tool that I've been using forever. Uh-huh. And and what I notice is, this is what I use in my SOG tool. Uh-huh. The pliers. I use the pliers, the saw, I use the file, and I use the Phillips head screwdriver, uh-huh. and I use a straight screwdriver, and once in a while the scissors. Hmm. But once in a while, not very much. Yeah. But I do use those other. T- I never ever use the knife. Never use the knife in there. In there, just because um, I always have a knife. It's it's like the I would not even think of that knife to use. Yeah. But I use but I use the pliers all the time, all the time, and I think that that's what um, when you when you're thinking about a, a, a super tool uh-huh. or one of those tools, that's what you got to think about what you're going to use, and if you're going to use you know, for the most part, that's the stuff you're going to use. You're going to use a screwdriver. You're going to use a Phillips head screwdriver, saw, file, and uh, and the uh, pliers, and pretty much everything else in there is garbage. I mean, there's a there's and this one that I've got, I, I'd like to pull it out and replace it with something else, but I can't. But nothing is exactly. I've got other blades that fit a sog that I can't seem to fit in the spot when I take that one out, and yep. it's a um, it's the one for the rent. It's like a like a socket. Yep. Like you put a you put um, little sockets on top of it, and uh, and it it's just in there that takes takes up space. Yep. So he he asks a couple other questions about Capart uh, uh, and Nesmuk, but I I, I think uh, we'll have to get to those next time. Uh,
Mike Midori asks us about uh, our thoughts on the Blackjack 125. Ooh, nice knife. Yeah. Also, uh, DLT Trading has them. I know. Yeah, good, um, good hunting knife. Yeah. Very, very good hunting knife. I, I haven't handled one, but I know the maker, and uh, yeah. I, I know that those are good knives. Um, yeah, that that's a... Um, I got, come on, Macy. Now Macy's bugging me. You want to go outside? Um, that's a knife that is kind of like the quintessential hunting knife. Yeah. The mo- quintessential modern hunting knife. Yeah. Um, one that is not... Uh, it's very attractive. Um, yeah. That that one that knife has the elements, of the visual tension, the design of a of a beautifully put together piece um, with with form and function and the visual aesthetics and all of that. It, it, it's a complete package knife. Um, you know, a lot of knives, a lot of knives work. A lot of knives cut stuff. Uh huh. But it's a real special knife that cuts stuff in style, hmm. you know. And 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 I think that 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 knife does that. Okay, so then, um, uh, so then uh, I you know I I looked uh, if I was going to buy one of those, um, the one that's most attractive to me right now on DLT's trading thing is Blackjack One Twenty Five Sound. Sambar Stag Custom Number Twelve. I think I think that's a sharp knife. Um, if I if I was in the market for that, I like that one. Um, they mm-hmm. they got a bunch. I mean, they got so many handles and and things like that. Um, I mean, so many choices. But just scrolling down on the first page, I like that one. Um, let's see. Uh, then uh, Corey Murphy uh, again pipes another question or the Becker RBK. He wants to know about. I think isn't that the, the Reinhardt RBK? Is the RBK the Kukri? The Reinhardt Kukri? Is that is that a new one they just came out with? I don't know. Um, I I don't know this knife. I think uh, I haven't seen it. So, and I haven't used it. Yeah, it's a uh, it's the uh, Kukri. Yeah. So it's a. It, I mean, I, I I don't have any experience with it, so I don't know what to say. Um, I'd like pretty much every knife that he's ever made. Um, so I'm sure it's a good knife. And plus he's a friend of mine, so, um, mm-hmm. he's a good guy too. So, mm-hmm. um, you, did you get any questions? Uh, what color underwear are you wearing today? No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um actually, uh, <laughs> Oh, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. Uh-uh. Jim can only see from the waist up. <laughs> Just kidding. You're bad. Okay. So, uh, you got a question from uh, Jonathan Eldridge, our esteemed yeah. moderator. Yeah, he wants to know what, um, give a shout out to the Nike spammer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on our on the knifejournal.com uh, forums. There's yeah. this guy that's always yeah. trying to sell Nike shit on there, which I don't know why yeah. he doesn't go to like one of these other forums. It's like I don't know. Um. Okay, uh, um, Lon has got nothing funny. What? Lon says he's got nothing funny. Okay. To, to add. 
Okay. So. Okay. So he's pretty much. He's pre he's pretty much uh, not helpful at all. Well, unless we get another one, then um, that's probably it for the Insta questions. Did we get any emails? I sent you the one. Oh yeah. Um, it's you the, read that one. That one. No, I don't. Yeah. I don't want to read that. I I don't want to go round and round with the guy. Um, oh no 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 not that one. I'm talking about the. Oh the yeah go go ahead and the praise. <clears throat> yeah okay so. Um, let me see. Uh, I may have deleted that. Because <laughs> well, it was too look. sappy. Yeah, basically a, a guy. Um, I we obviously we appreciate appreciate it, but a guy. Uh, and I hear this a lot. You know, kind of a knife maker, kind of learning the the ropes and stuff, and uh, listens to our show in the shop, like listens religiously. And and there's a there's a ton a ton a ton of knife makers that tell me that they listen to our show. Um, and uh, he was basically saying he enjoyed it and wanted more, um, more stuff, you know, kind of advice stuff. And uh, I actually have um, an announcement along those lines that I'll make in a few minutes. Um, I wanted to give a shout out to the Jersey Devil Forum, and uh, on uh, on Facebook they've got a thing there. But then there's also the Jersey Devil Forums. Uh, it's uh, not safe for work, folks, um, and it's <laughs> it's a not worker friendly. No, but it's a uh, it's a and it's not kid friendly. Um, but it's a, a forum of some pretty passionate uh, knife lovers and these sorts of things. And of course, there's uh, Ron Ladd the Magnificent. He's probably on your friends list and all that. Mm -hmm. um, he's the owner. Uh, seems like a really good guy. Uh, but um, they have their Halloween build-off. Yes, he is. Um, they have their Halloween build-off. Uh, and if you go into the JD build-off uh, sub-forum, you'll see uh, all the different knives that were submitted. Of course, mine was one of them. And the other entries are astonishingly awesome. Like, I almost wish I hadn't submitted <laughs> anything. Because <laughs> the stuff that those... I mean, they're doing, like, crazy Hamon lines and... You know, they're doing these crazy custom folders and all this stuff. Like, I, I'm just way out of my league. Um, <laughs> but uh, check that out. I think they said they're going to, they wanted us to submit one picture of our knife or whatever. So I took a picture of mine. And, and then they're going to put up a, a poll later um, so that people can see all the knives and vote for the ones they like. And I'm not sure what happens to the knives after that. But then I think they have a raffle. So I think I may have um, donated a knife <laughs> without without uh, specifically understanding that I was doing so, but that's fine. Um, it isn't going to hurt you. No, I don't care. I wasn't going to use it anyway. So you, it, you know, you may have a chance to actually pick that. And it's a, basically a combat dagger is what I made. I forged a Fairburn Sykes style combat dagger with a couple of different features that I found on other combat daggers that I liked, and of course Lon Humphreys um, forged in guards. So, you know, there's a chance that you may actually be able to get your hands on that because um, they do a raffle, I guess. So, Did you happen to uh, did you happen to catch the uh, Bravo one that was uh, mirror polished? Haven't did we talk about that last time? Yeah, we haven't talked about it on the podcast, but um one of the guys that uh, goes to the grind in started 
uh, mirror polishing things. Yeah. And he did a, he took a, um, a Bravo one and he mirror polished it and then took a selfie in the blade. Wow. And it is amazing how good yeah. looking that knife is all mirror polished up. Yep. Um, oh, I see it now. Oh my God. <laughs> Isn't that That's something? insanity. <laughs> if you get a chance, go on, go on and uh, like the, um, uh, Bark River page, and scroll down through there, and you'll find that knife. It's a, it's a pretty amazing. Yeah, the guy's. I think he I think he did that by hand. Yeah, the guy's name is Mark Ward. So yep. you're looking for did, a photo by him. I think you I think he did that by hand. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I don't know. I don't even know where to begin with that. Um, let's see. Uh, so, um, I have. Uh, Kind of an announcement. Uh, Jim and I have been kind of working on uh, uh, working on something, uh, and uh, I'll first give you a knife maker's tale of woe that kind of feeds into it. So, I uh, I made uh, a, a new knife um, called the Grendel, um, which is like the Imp, but it's beefier and bigger. Uh, and it's it's got forged elements to it, so it's got the forged in guard. It's basically the same size. It's five inches overall with a two and a half inch handle and two and a half inch blade, but it's out of thicker steel, so it's three sixteenths inch um, steel, and uh, it's it's a beefy, nice, um, just a little upgrade to the imps. Uh, and so. I made made one uh, for a friend. He wanted a custom, so I sent it to him, and then a bunch of other people wanted them. So I'm probably going to be making those on a limited custom basis. Well, so I I owed, felt that I owed a knife to someone, uh, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Uh, and here's my tale of woe. I got the knife made. I I ground in. You know, I did the forging work. I ground in the the bevels as far as I could get them before a heat treat. Everything was perfect. Um, I, you know, he did the, uh, heat treat, quenched it, everything looked great, uh, put it in the oven to temper it, and there are micro cracks. Oh! Yeah. So, I think what happened was, um, during, when I was doing the actual forging, I think it got too hot. Ooh. Um, uh, the, the heat treat, I just, I just heated up to kind of like a, a cherry red, so not even not even in the orange range. So not not all that hot. It's supposed to be at least according to the color temperature is about the right temperature. Uh, you know between 14 and 1500 degrees, and I just make sure it's non-magnetic. But I heat it up to just non-magnetic. So it wasn't the wasn't the heat treat that that was the problem. I think it was. Uh, I'm pretty sure that during the forging I got it too hot, and that's why. It, it cracked but I, mean, I could be I wrong so I had it all done and then this morning um, you know for the temper you take and you put it in the oven for an hour let it cool to room temperature put it in the oven an hour let it cool to room temperature and you do that based on a curve and I I, I did mine twice and uh, after after it was done I went upstairs went to bed put the knife on the counter to cool the room temperature this morning I went down there's a little micro crack I'm like fuck so um, that welcome welcome to the world of knife making. Right, exactly. So if if you guys think that everything always goes perfect and you know that I'm some sort of a 
whatever. Um, just realize that I fuck up all the time, and that was a <laughs> that was a major one. I had two hours into that knife um, that are just gone forever. Except now I have that um, to use as a template to mark out um, stuff and as a comparison from when I'm forging the other stuff. So it wasn't a total loss. It's just so. Uh, Jim and I are kind of working on a, a story. Uh, if you remember all the way back to episode 39, we talked about a guy named uh, Paul Balzano. Um, and uh, you can go back and just re-listen to that uh, if, if you want to. Um, but basically, he's a, he's a guy, I'm not sure what he is. Um, he wants to be known as a knife maker. I'm not sure that he is. Because if, if you're a knife maker, you kind of have to be able to make knives. Um, and more than one or two, I would say. Um, but, again, that's my personal opinion. I think he's more of a designer. And he he did pretty much everything wrong. Um, from, from the start of announcing his company, um, through execution, through, through business dealings with other people, and, uh, and did things wrong enough that he's currently sitting in jail. So, um, I've been uh, doing lots and lots of research. I've, I know why he's in jail. I know what jail he's in. I know it pretty much as much as you can possibly find out about somebody legally. And uh, I talk to a lot of the people who have been um, injured in one way or another. And I wanted to give them a shout out, but the, my, one of my main sources, one of the people that spent the most time helping me do this research, um, you can find him on Instagram. His uh, Instagram handle is scurvy092, or, C, or uh, it's spelled S-U-R-V-Y-092. And so I started with him, and then he pointed me in the direction of all these different people. Um, I'll mention them as well, but uh, because of his hard work, um, I named him an official uh, uh, Knife Journal podcast field correspondent extraordinaire. And, and as part of his, uh, as part of his uh, reward for being so helpful, I uh, am giving him uh, a double O knife, uh, and he gets double O one of the Grendels. And uh, nice. you know, I but the. You know, so I, I screwed up the first take on it, but hopefully the second one will be okay. Uh, and then there's two other guys I wanted to mention. Um, you can find them on uh, Instagram. One is uh, Flippin' Bean, F-L-I-P-I-N-B-E-A-N. Uh, I talked to him quite a bit. He was a, a well of knowledge about um, the situation and had personal involvement and things like this. And there's another guy named... Uh, 365 knives so 365 knives those are their instagram handles i talked to them i've talked to some other people but those were some pretty pretty major contributors to the research um i've reached out to some other people uh and most most people do not want to talk about it because they just don't want to be associated at all they don't want their name mentioned in the same uh sentence as uh, Paul Balzano, and there's, some of them are good, good of friends too. of ours, you know. Yep, there's a lot, of, there actually is a lot of that. And, uh, 
and, and you know people that I've reached out to people that defended him um, and they just they just don't want anything to do with it I talked to the guys from Knife Thursday uh, uh, Chris at Knife Thursday and he wants he he had very good I asked him if I could use audio from the original season two episode one interview he did with uh, Belzano and he he just doesn't want to be associated with it at all and he has very good very good reasons for that and I'm not going to make that public but you know so I've I've I'm still in the process of trying to find out a couple more things but I've got about 20 pages of research notes and I'm going to put together a, a kind of a little special edition podcast for Knife Journal podcast called This American Knife. <laughs> and I uh, should be able to have uh uh should be able to learn some stuff from that. At least learn what not to do and learn some things that he did right, learn some things that he did wrong. Uh, at least in my opinion, uh, and uh, look for that in, I don't know how long it'll take, another week or so. And oh. then then uh, after it airs, uh, you know, and Jim gets a chance to listen to it, we'll do another podcast and, and kind of draw attention to the things that we thought could have been done maybe a little better. Um, mm-hmm. Ways that he could have avoided a lot of trouble. So, and that's and that's a lot of the, a lot of what's going on yep. with uh, with the knife world. If people pay attention to some of these things, the previous mistakes, a lot of times um, stuff can be avoided. Yep. Um, you know, and it's uh, you know, especially I mean, he did everything wrong. He did social media wrong. He did customer interactions wrong. He. He overpromised and then didn't deliver anything. You know, he he made big declaration. I mean, I'll let you, we'll, we'll get into it at at length here very shortly. I still have a a few more people I'm trying to talk to, um, uh, but I'm I'm very close to being able to start recording that. So that's that's what's upcoming. Um, any other knife related content? I don't think so. We're. Um, I was gonna Instagram, or I am gonna Instagram that that picture of Mark's Bravo One right now. Yeah, that's cool. Um, but there's a lot of information out there, guys. It's a lot of history on the internet already uh, for you up and comers. Um, pay attention. Yep. Well, and then pay attention. And, and then the other thing is, is like this is, uh, you know, you want. Uh, tales of woe and and uh you know how things can go wrong this is this is a perfect example and in in the show notes i'll have links to uh all sorts of different things in there uh when that when that particular podcast comes out there'll be there'll be notes to different links or different uh links to different things that i found and and um you know i there's so much floating around uh, I've I've confirmed through multiple sources a lot of different things, but I'm some of it I'm afraid to put out there, even though it's multiply confirmed. So you're going to get a little bit toned down version of the truth, but the important uh, the important elements of things will be there. Um, 
anyway, I don't, I don't know much else knife-wise. No, I think we're pretty much, uh, I think we're pretty much set for the day yep. with, with, with that. Um, any political rants you're thinking about? Hey, you know, I got a question for you. That, huh. uh, tell me about your Iowa candidates for Senate. Oh, yeah, I like, um, and I know I'm going to get shit for this. Because, um, you know, here's the problem with, with saying who you like. I'm just, I'm going to tell you anyway, but here's the problem with saying who you like. Eventually they'll fuck up, and then people go back and say, see, you were wrong. It's like, well, okay, um, yeah, but, okay, so for, um, the big story is this uh, Joni Ernst, and uh, living in Iowa, I've kind of been... And she's the she's the castration lady? Yeah, and, you know, her, her, her opponent <laughs> I got, is I this, got a kick out of her. Her opponent, I like her, um... And and I could be wrong, but I mean, how much how much do you really know about somebody before you vote for them? You know, she's been thoroughly hey. vetted, and you know that if there was something, if there she, was some she, bomb that was gonna that the media had, they would have used it already. So she's basically she, clean. She's a soldier. Yeah, um, and she cash she castrates pigs. Right, and so her and her, her opponent, <laughs> her opponent. So that what they're trying to do is replace this this disaster of a uh, 60s liberal uh, Harkin. And her opponent, she's the Republican candidate, and her opponent is uh, Bruce Braley. And uh, Bruce Braley was caught on tape, like, making fun of uh, Grassley because he's just a farmer, quote, ju just a farmer. And right. she has raked him over the coals. That was the end of him. Yeah, I mean that's you're fucking she, done if you ahead, bash farmers ahead, in our state. She's ahead in the polls. Yeah, right? by seven points today. Um, she's gonna slaughter them, I think. Yeah, uh, and I, you know, she's a, how it's. I find it very, very difficult to, 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 to say I support this person because they, they disappoint you so often. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the alternative, I know the guy's a douchebag. Okay, um, and there isn't really a third-party candidate for that particular thing. Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, how, how certain can you be? I think she's legit. She's a soldier. Uh, she's, she grew up in Iowa. You know, seems, seems to have her head on straight. So, um, yeah, uh, I, I was, when I saw her... That ad about the um, about the castrating pigs and the pork, uh -huh. I got a kick out of that. I thought that was very well played. Yeah. Now the the other candidate in Iowa that I'm excited about is uh, a lady that I know real well. She's an orthopedic surgeon in Lake City, and uh, her name is Lee Heeb, H I E B, and her website is www.heeb. 2014.org and she is the libertarian candidate for Iowa and I will be voting mm. for her um, because I know her very well and uh, she's she's I've known her a long time and I like her and I think she'd do a good job so I'm going to vote for her mm -hmm. um, has she got a chance of winning no as a libertarian no um, they 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 the our current governor is Branstead and he's going to destroy everyone um, he does a good job. Uh, I, I can't really find fault with his management. Um, 
but I like her, so I'm going to mm -hmm. vote for her. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's Iowa politics. I don't know. I, probably pretty boring for people who don't live here, except that um, that Senate race will, uh, <clears throat> that's a make or break race for Republicans taking the Senate. And that's why it's, right. that's why it's been such a big deal. I haven't had a uh, I haven't had a chance to uh, to talk much about um, your candidate Hillary. My candidate. Been hang, <laughs> you've been hanging out in Iowa lately. Yeah, I honestly I think she's going to be a no go. Um, I, I do too. I think I, that, I think even if she runs, she's going to get slaughtered. Yeah. Uh, because that, because of Benghazi. Yeah, that's been all you my, need to do. All you need to do if you're running against her. Uh, is put up the video of her saying, at this point, what difference does it make? And then show the dead people from Benghazi. Done. Yep. Dis yep. Disqualifier, I'm sorry. Um, yep. You know, and then, I mean, they still, the media just will not go after that story. and Because they're water carriers, basically, at this point. Um, if you are a collectivist, they will support you, and they will cover up for you and all of this stuff. She's a collectivist. Obama's a filthy collectivist scum. And, uh, you know, so that's that's what we get. But I, I do not, I think there's enough people that, you know, I, I know it's like supposed to be old news. Like, that was like two years ago, bro. Talking about, yeah. according to the emails and the timeline, sure. the CIA circulates new talking points after they've removed a mention of Al Qaeda. Yeah. And then at 621, the White House, you, Me. add a line about the administration warning of September 10th of social media reports calling for demonstrations. True? Uh, I believe so. Did you also change attacks to demonstrations in the talking points? Uh, maybe. I don't really remember. You don't remember? Dude, this is like two years ago. We're still talking about the Dude, most mundane the process that everybody of is talking about. We're talking about the process of editing talking points. That's what bureaucrats do all we, day long. Your producers edit the, scripts the key multiple part is times. Attacks to demonstrations. Yeah. Did you do that? No. What? What do we? What is the question? Did the I edit the CIA attacks? talking points? It was edited from attacks to demonstrations. No. Michael Morell has testified about what he changed. Dude, this was like two years ago. Dude, this was like two years ago. Dude, this was like two years ago. Uh, that, like, literally, that that was a quote from one of their, uh, one of their spokes holes. Um, okay, so so the other thing that I'm doing right now is I'm expanding my my carbon footprint. Uh oh. I, I'm making the I'm making the decision to burn coal to heat my house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I found I found a source of coal, and I'm I'm uh, I'm thinking very serious about it, so that I can actually bring that up at dinner conversations with my any of my liberal friends. Oh yeah, you're driving a. Oh oh, I got a good electric car story. So my daughter is who I love very dearly, and don't ever say anything bad about my daughter. I'll kill you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I uh, she has a a, a coworker that is. Um, I want to say he's from Brazil, and and um, works at the works where she works, and he was living in a bigger city, and he had an electric car. And he leased it for two years, uh -huh. and after about a month of leasing it, he got this new job up here. Oh no! <laughs> Last winter. He couldn't even drive his car and turn the heater on 
or he wouldn't make it to work. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like a hundred percent electric car. You got to plug it in. Yeah. And uh, I guess it's okay in the summertime. It works okay in the summertime. He's got like ten mile drive to go to work. But last winter, when he was driving, he'd have to like bundle up and put an extra little like a gas heater in his car because he couldn't he couldn't drive the car and turn the heater on in the car at the same time. Otherwise, he wouldn't make it to work. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, we're ready for electric cars, people. <laughs> but anyways, I so so I thought um, so I thought the uh, uh, the adding coal to the stuff that I burn in my wood stove is or my my boiler is uh, is apropos. Well, help him for my, out for my political correctness. Yeah, um, thinking about a coal-fired car, I think that would be <laughs> kind of cool. Yeah, get a yes. make a steam engine powered car. Make a steam coal. engine. Yep. Yep. Um, but yeah, so then if you then if you get then if you get stuck somewhere, you just freaking turn on the steam and melt the snow. Yeah, and then you're right out. <laughs> yep, you just get right out. Uh, so, anyways, I'm trying to think. Anything else? Yeah, I don't know much know. else. No, it's Sunday. You know, I'm thinking uh, I'm gonna probably go down to the cider mill and drink some cider. That's our cider mill's closing today. It's last day of their season, so I'm gonna go and help them close. I think they're gonna probably make uh, make some kind of hard applejack or something after. Well, good with with their leftover cider. Who knows? Yeah, that's yeah, that'd be tasty. Well, I'm ready to uh, get on with my day here. Happy Halloween, people. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And um, send us emails at podcast at knifejournal.com. Come and visit us at uh, the knifejournal.com website. Join the forums. Like us on Facebook. And uh, with that being said, Enjoy your Sunday, or whatever day you happen to be listening to it. Go out there and make it a good day, and keep your knives sharp and your friends sharp. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.